Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bros Pod is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. So get into the action today by heading to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm Bill Roden, and uh, broadcasting from Harlem, USA, uh, and uh, here with my friend and uh, co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's happening? Not much, Bill. You know, NBA playoffs. Uh, Celtics did not put a good showing uh, overall so far, but they won that last game. And uh, what do you you know? There's no no NBA games tonight. I don't know what to do with myself. That's tough, man. So I have to like write. I I, I watched uh you know because uh in honor of the great Jim Brown who passed away last week, I, I watched a couple old Cleveland Brown tapes. If you go on YouTube, uh, I watched the 1964 championship game when uh, the Browns upset. Uh, upset the Baltimore Colts, the undefeated Baltimore Colts. And it was pretty good. I mean, you know, I think it may have been in color. But, you know, when you watch those old clips, you can say, man, this guy, you know, some clips you watch like Bronco Nagurski or something, you know. <laughs> that guy couldn't play. You know, but if you watch those clips of Jim Brown, you know, you can say, wow, man, this guy was pretty good. You know, although you had like the defenses were largely white. It was like really, literally, man among boys. You know, he was like dragging people into the end zone, and you know, cats bumping off him and all that. But um, yeah, I guess that was something. Uh, I wrote a story uh, about it for Anscape. Right. Um, yeah, so I guess you know, uh, just acknowledge passing away of a legend. And so, and I was just thinking too. You know, you get to a certain age. And you have younger editors, you know, whatever about somebody passed away, they come to you. They think you gotta know him. Right. And I remember when Bill when Bill Russell passed away, he called me the yeah, as well. Honest truth is, I didn't really have any connection to Bill Russell. Right. I never and never all the UW, I never had a good conversation with Bill Russell. Right. I mean, never. I mean, I remember standing next to him at one all-star game or something. And I couldn't. I said, "What do you, you know?" I couldn't figure out what to say. What am I gonna say? You know. Yeah, right. And then I forgot. I said something. And he's just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, yeah." Well, Mister, you know, my name's Bill Roden. And at the time, I was at the New York. Yeah, I'm Bill Roden. He said, "I know who you are." I said, right. Oh, yeah. Right. So I just kind of slinked away and all that. 
So I didn't really have any, you know, that was my only interaction with Russell. But Jim Brown, and, and also it's probably my bias, because I was always like, I played football. Played right. Football in high school, played football in college. And I always regarded basketball players as kind of like prima donnas. Right. They got to play in the wintertime, and, you know, they had the shorts, and all the women were like, you know, and right. we these Neanderthals were like in the mud and beating shit out of each other. But I was always more connected to football and a guy like Jim Brown. Right. If you were playing football in my era, you know, when I was like 15, 16, 17, you know, I mean, it was like Jim Brown was a guy, you know. Black superstars were few and far between, you know, and he was definitely one of them. Right. And, uh, you know, the white the white writers, I was like, he had an attitude problem. Well, I realize now that meant that he didn't put up with his shit. Right. So, yeah, so I acknowledge that. And, um, you know, it was a pretty major, pretty major passing. Somebody asked me what they thought the NFL was going to do. You know, in, in the NBA, they superimposed Bill Ross. Well, I don't know what the NBA did. I know it was in the Celtics game, they put number six. And they yeah, and they put the NBA puts. I think every team had you know had number six on their jersey this year. Yeah, so maybe they'll do that. Maybe the NFL will do that number thirty-two. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. You never know with the NFL. Let me let me ask you about that. You know, go because that's you know that's a totally different time. Um, and you mentioned you know Jim Brown was one of the few black superstars at the time. So. It's almost hard to fathom, you know, like like that there were there were only a few black superstars. So so when you watch football back back when when Jim Brown was playing, how how many you know black people were on each team? Did you think around that time? Well, you know, back then they also had quotas mm-hmm. of how many black people would be on each team. You know, and it's usually an even number, so they could like uh, room together. So you might have six. You know, seven, eight, you know, the Green Bay Packers had a handful. You know, it's not like the Packers today where then damn, damn their whole team is black, including the quarterback. Right. So yeah, it was it was a different thing. Uh and, but this Brown was just a house. And then he got into acting. You know, the big thing I remember is when he retired. You know, because he he was filming, he had done some movie called Rio Conchos. And he was filming The Dirty Dozen, which would be a big hit. And uh, he was, there was filming in England. And, the, you know, and the taping was delayed because of weather. Uh, and uh, Art Modell, the owner of the team, demanded that Brown leave and come back and join a training camp. Now, remember, he had just been named NFL MVP. Right. So, you know, here's Art Modell, you know, and he – Won the title in 64, uh, played for it again, I think, in 66, you know, and he wanted him to come to training camp and was, like, going to fine him $100, which was a lot back then. And so what Brian did is that he he called a press conference and announced his retirement, (laughs) you know, which I thought was, like, perfect. You know, it was like, man, he's got talking back to these white people. Right. You know. So, and that's just the kind of guy he was. He was uh, was very, you know, independent, you know, 
uh, self-defining person. You know, he's a great lacrosse player. In fact, he was even in the ROTC Hall of Fame. Right. You know, which is interesting. So, yeah, Jim was, uh, you know, I, I, I met him later in my journalism career, probably like when I was at the Times, probably like 81 or 82. Right. When I was probably confident enough to like actually have a conversation with him. Cause you know, he was he was an intimidating guy from from all accounts. Yeah, yeah, they, you know, yeah, he, you know, because he didn't really, he didn't suffer fools. So yeah, no, and I, I don't, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to cover the team. You know, talk about, well, Jim, you had a bad game, <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't, but he didn't have too many bad games. I mean, bad. when you when you look at hit, you know. Growing up, like my father would would talk about Jim Brown, and it was just about how, you know, just what a what a you know in today's vernacular, what a beast he was. Uh, you know, like the whole thing where he he would uh, every time he got tackled, he'd get up really really slow, and you weren't sure if he was hurt or not. Then the next play, he'd just run over the right. whole team again. Right. I mean, what I mean, what was he like? Like, can you even compare him to anybody? Nowadays, like how good he was on the field? Not really. I mean, it's like you take whoever is the best running back, and that's the problem now. You don't really – you have these running back by committees. Right. Guess, you know, Emmett Smith. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, what I, Eric Dickerson, if you go back, you know, Franco Harris, who Jim Brown hated because he thought he ran out of bounds too much. <laughs> but he was just – Whatever you come up with is like times two. Right. Jim Brown. I, I would suggest people go back and go on YouTube. Yeah. Call up some of those games, you know, just those like the title game, you know, and he'd just be like running over motherfuckers, man. You know, like like three or four people would like be tackling. He'd like, you know, like be dragging them, you know. Uh, no, he, he was like, he was like great. I, I thought, I, he's only, I thought he would have won more titles. I think he won three, three, right? He won three or no? no he only won one. One. He, he must have been to three. He, I think, yeah, he played the Packers. And then it always pissed me off because he played against the Packers and they would always, like, win, you know. Mm. And they had Jim Taylor, who was not in Jim Brown's category. But they just had a better team, an overall team. Right. And they had enough brothers playing. They had the right brothers, the right position. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, but right. Uh, he, he was a thing. I mean, frankly, the only uh, journalistically, you know, when he was, you know, he would always have these clashes. Not cl- not always. A few clashes with women, mm-hmm. and that became something you had to address. Right. You know, and he was like never convicted. I mean, the charges were were dropped. You know, but in this era, you always wonder, like in in this era. Oh. In the Me Too era, I mean, forget it. It would be, you know, you think. But also, I was thinking about that today, you know, you know, thinking about Jim Brown. Not only that, I mean, would it would it have happened in this era? Because you you know, back then it was it was almost it was almost a way of life. Like got like guys were allowed to get away with that kind of treatment. Like all men in general were were getting away with that stuff. That's the whole part of the reason why the Me Too movement came about right. uh, was, you know, was to, you know, say, stop now. We're not having this. Right. Know, this is- yeah, I think that's a great point, Jamal. I think that 
you know, if that were in this era, somebody would have pulled this code a long time ago. So right. You can't, you know, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. Because that was always, you know, you know, also growing. First of all, on the field, you know, I grew up watching uh, NFL films. So that's another place you can watch. And so I grew up watching NFL films and the highlights of Jim Brown. And and those highlights withstand the test of time. Like, I don't care when you watch that, you realize how good he was. So me growing up, you know, when people always talk about, you know, who is the best players of all time, I always put, you know, running backs, even me having never seen him. Right. Live would say, you know, uh, Jim Brown, number one or number two, you know, with Walter Payton and like, uh, you know, you know, OJ Simpson, who I never saw either. But those highlights, they withstand the test of time. You can see how good these guys were, how dominant they were. And then, you know, part of his whole thing, you know, always I remember hearing the story a long time ago about how he had, you know, he had a, you know, he had thrown his girlfriend off the balcony of a roof of a roof. You know, it would be like my my parents would be telling me about Jim Brown and my dad told me about the, about the, all he was doing on the field and, and all the civil rights stuff. And then my mom said, yeah, but he threw his, he threw his girlfriend out the window yeah. of a, on the second, of a second floor window, you know? So it was always that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and I guess the, the lesson was, you know, pr- protect your legacy. Mm. So, so that doesn't have to be, yeah, but right. Uh, you know, and he eventually, you know, he, um, yeah, I think he has five children. And, right. Uh, Monique is was his latest wife. You know, really nice, really nice lady. They had two kids. Uh, uh, I think one of whom plays lacrosse, and you know that was that that was Jim Brown's other big sport. Right. Well, he was a great lacrosse player. He's in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Right. You know, uh, he was a great athlete. In fact, I always give this quiz to people. Said, if you could choose five people, in other words, I come to you, said Jamal. I'm having this competition. I'm not going to tell you the rules. I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just saying that it's going to be very rigorous. And you could have five people, choose five people of all time to compete in this competition, which is going to be rigorous. It's going to include a whole lot of stuff. So what five athletes would you choose without knowing the rules, without knowing the competition, but knowing that they better be great athletes, which five athletes of all any generation would you choose to attend this competition? And I always choose my five were because you have to, and you have to have a woman. You just can't, you know. Right. Uh, Jim Brown, Jim Thorpe, Serena Williams. Uh, I think I maybe even chose Tom Brady. Mm. And. You had to put one white guy in there, Bill. I know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And I <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And, and Will Chamberlain, maybe, uh, or maybe just. But I, yeah, I chose Brady, and this is around Deflategate because I knew the guy would do anything to win. <laughs> I Brady would find out some kind of way to win. Whatever the conversation was, he would find some <laughs> way to win. Right. Have somebody like that. <laughs> The well, another like oh the the yeah Jim Brown has to be a net five no question about it, and one of the well, another story I always remember is I forget who t- who told it but you know him you know I th- he was in some cold area where there was ice on the ground and he and someone told the story how he he started to slip on ice and he 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 was able to to balance for like 
a minute straight, like where any other mortal man would have fell on the ice, Jim Brown was able to <laughs> was able to avoid falling on the ice. That was one of my favorite Jim Brown stories, also. Two blocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of great uh, stories, and then yeah, obviously stuff he did with the Cleveland Summit, you know, right. Well, well, yeah, talk about that, like the, the civil rights aspect, which, you know, we know, I, I know he always spoke out. He had a strong voice, like you said, intimidating to whoever. So, um, you know, what he said, I'm sure, carried a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, but what, what was the real, what was the, his, his true significance in that area? You know, when you look at him as a sports figure, were there, you know, was, was he on the level of Muhammad Ali when it came to that? Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure. You know, very few people are on that level because Ali was going to give up his heavyweight championship. But the fact that Jim Brown convened a meeting to meet with him. Now, it depends. And there's a book, Jonathan I, some, you know, wrote a book saying that Jim Brown had this, they were trying to negotiate this uh, closed circuit TV deal to televise all of Ali's fights. So, of course, when he's going to, like, get locked up, they wanted to find out, you know. Some, depending on who's telling stories, somebody said they were trying to talk him out of it, you know, so they get this deal. But whatever it was, they did have a meeting with him, you know, all the all the top black athletes of that era. And they emerged from that, e that meeting knowing that Ali was not, you know, he was a man of principle, and he believed in what he was doing. It didn't matter what you were doing. He believed in what he was doing. And they emerged in that meeting solidly behind him. You know, whatever took place in that meeting, right. they were convinced that Ali was a man of principle. And he was not going to Vietnam. He was not going to be inducted into the Army. And a lot of those people, I mean, I think Jim Brown had sort of a military background. A lot of guys in that meeting had, you know, had sort of military background. But uh, they were convinced after that meeting that Ali tried to convince, you know, he, he wasn't having it. He was sticking to his principles. So the fact that all those people like Bill Russell, you know, Lou Alcindor, you know, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the great Willie Davis, I mean, they all flew there to Cleveland to meet with Ali. So that was pretty impressive. That just speaks to the volume, uh, the, the, the level of respect they had for Jim. And he had started this economic empowerment association, you know. So he's always about the money, and economic power is sort of what the, what the you know what the bottom line was. So it was just in my generation just to hear of a black athlete of of, of that magnitude even speaking about civil rights, you know, was something. I mean, I think Jackie Robinson did. Mm -hmm. To an extent, and even Bill Russell. I mean, went to Mississippi uh, um, to uh, you know to do a, a clinic. I mean, back in when you didn't want to go to Mississippi, right? So I think you know it was all those guys. Now you didn't say about Willie Mays doing anything like that, but mm. all those guys were were becoming. This was like the third wave of black athletes. You know, there was a Jackie Robinson wave in the 40s. Then there was a wave of those guys like, you know, uh, in like the late 40s and mid 50s who would become stars. Uh, but but that group with Jim Brown, uh, uh, Kurt Flood, 
Willie Mays, you know, those kind of guys who would become like really, really big stars, you know, stars, contemporary stars, you know, Bill Russell. So the fact that they would participate in the civil rights struggle was significant, you know. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, man, he was, uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a powerful force of nature. And then, you know, I guess, you know, you mentioned this a couple of times before, but just, you know, you, when you talk about Jim Brown and, and you laud him for all he did, and then, of course, we, you have to talk about, you know, the, the his shortcomings uh, with, with uh, you know, the abusive situations with women. And not not a question specifically about what he did, but you know, you, me personally, I find myself okay. How do how do I approach this? How do I you know in public? You know, do I just praise him for for the things that stood out to me? And how do you address you know his his shortcomings? Like how do, how do you feel about that? Just in general, with anybody, like we we had to do this with Kobe, right? Remember, like so. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on on just how you you know how you can appreciate somebody for what for the for the good that they did while at the same time, you know, acknowledging their faults? Yeah, I mean that's that's it's difficult in in a way, um, particularly if they were contemporaries. If you grow up admiring, them. I mean, if you examine Ali's life, and I mean, you know, everybody has some stuff, right? And did this did that stuff outweigh the good that they did, you know? Um, and I, I guess you just have to make your own decision about that. And do you acknowledge it? And do you dwell on it? And do you allow that to define who somebody was? You know, um, is that, you know, is that who he was? Or is that just something he did? Right. And later apologize for, acknowledge that this was a shortcoming, and I'm going to move on. You know, and, and whether you're going to let me move on or not is on you. You know, but I'm going to move on. But it is journalistically opposes a a thing. You know, I mean, when it gets to a point of that's what makes things like like LeBron James, who's never had, as far as I know, any kind of scandal. The only thing. About LeBron's when he did the China stuff, right? You know, and he's doing business with China, and people are like, wait a minute, man, that's one of the most repressive regimes on earth. You know, Daryl Morey of all of all people. You know, um, you know, we we'll get to John Morant, right? You know, uh, <clears throat> I guess the question will be: by the time John Morant is finished with his career, will he have done enough stuff? enough good acts, enough good deeds so that this whole silliness with a gun just seems like a blip right. on the screen. Right. You know, and, and, and that's the thing, Jamal. I guess, you know, we don't necessarily live our lives on this public stage where people could look at stuff you did. Or, right. You know, and you got to explain yourself for it. But if you live on a private, on this public stage, you know, Obama and things like that, you know. And you just have to be very careful of your legacy, you know. But the question you ask is, is as a journalist, and, and particularly I think sometimes if you're, if you're 
you know, like like the guy who uh, busted Jesse Jackson, well, Jesse Jackson made his Hymie Town remarks. And he made these remarks around some black reporters thinking that, hey, man, you know, we all just brothers. And this one brother, you know, got to Washington Post, you know, chose to write about it. You know, of course, he became the deputy editor and all that. <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, you just have to, I guess, pick and choose, you know. Uh, you know, and it depends. It probably depends on a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, are you friends? What's the level of conflict of interest? You know, I think uh, a lot of white reporters with, with black people don't care, you know. Right. They'll tear down somebody's reputation. Well, it was, it was a matter of fact, you know, he did it. You right. Know? Then we find out about your shit. He said, well, look what you said you did. You know? Right. So that's a long way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> right. And I guess you can't, you can't take away either. Right, you can't you can't take away the, the 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 bad stuff he did, right? But but you can't take away the good stuff he did, either. Right? Well, you can't right. you can't you can't wipe that from people's memories. What what he meant what he meant to people, uh, when he you know if he stood up for you know a certain people, those you're not going to forget that, and you and you shouldn't just and, and I just I guess it's just it's just that way all the way around. Like you're not you can't be bullied. I mean, you have to be as resolute about your conviction as the people are coming out, they'll say, well, come on, how can you even say that? Because didn't you know he did this? And somebody said, yeah, but this is, you know, this is what was important too. And I'm right. not going to bury him because of that. Right. Uh, your, your wife may never speak to you again. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take all these things into account. Right. Yeah. So uh, RIP, the great, great, uh, the great Jim Brown, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, on to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, on to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, seriously, even when you when you write about these lies, you know, Joe Russell, you know, his marriages and divorces and all of that. Right. You know, and that's, and that's you know, with celebrities, you know, I, I read these accounts of these celebrities, you know, actors, actresses, married two, three, four times, and you know, um, uh, who's it? Lauren McCall. And um, who's the guy? Uh, uh, Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. Lauren mm-hmm. McCall. And, you know, these great actors. You look at their lives. Oh, man, she's married a couple of times. Accused of having an affair. And, right, right. You know, and that didn't make her any less of an actress, you know. But it's just all part of the the picture that you learn about. Do we want to learn about stuff or do we just want to, you know, like Judy Garland and Wizard of Oz, she was this great child actress, act, actor. And then later she had these, all these problems, man, problems with drugs and this and that, you know, and Elvis Presley. Yep. You know, Michael Jackson. I mean, you know, yeah, every, yeah, yeah. on and on and on, you know. So I don't know. Maybe we just should just be ignorant and say, you know, Taylor Swift. I, I, no, I, now I know nothing about Taylor. Swift. <laughs> but nothing. you, but you will. The point is, you will at some point hear hear something. She's, You'll hear uh, something. she's making like almost like a billion dollars. 
Yeah, her, her and Beyonce are, are fighting it out for who who makes the most money on tour. I think it's got to be Taylor Swift, right? Or is, is Beyonce? I saw I saw a stat that Beyonce is higher. Beyonce, something it was something ridiculous. Like Beyonce's tour is gonna grow six million and no six billion billion, and uh, Taylor Swift's gonna gross three billion. You know, so they're they're both good. And uh, <laughs> then you think about it, if you like LeBron James, you said, "Man, we're like poppers." Yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> nothing. What are we? What are we making? We ain't making nothing. Yeah, she, she, they make what LeBron makes in a year in a in a night. In a night. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, puts that shit in perspective. Yeah, seriously, it's all it's all entertainment though. It's all entertainment. Oh, good. Yeah. Speaking, said, speaking, of, speaking of that entertainment, man, we chose that, the wrong profession, man. Yeah, I hear that. But uh, speaking of entertainment, NBA playoffs, it's been, uh, you know, it was entertaining until this last round when uh, everything uh, seemed to go by so quickly. The, the the NBA finals doesn't start till June 1st, regardless of what happens uh, in this Heat Celtics series. So we're going to have to wait uh, for basketball. You know, I mean, even if they expend the series, like, you know, uh, well, first, I guess you talk about, you know, I did a piece on Doc Rivers. Yep. Of course, they... They blew it a couple of times, man. They were up. Then they went to Philadelphia with a chance. They were up 3-1. No, 3-2. Yep. 3-2, chance to close them out at home. Didn't. Said, Uh-oh. Then went back to Boston, got blown out. You know, Doc's fired a couple of days later. And I, had, I talked to him in his office uh, between game – after game five and before game six. And you know, Doc is you know, Doc is just you know, it's great, just almost opposite. Great guy, great conversation, you know. Um, and uh, you know, but he was talking about just the craziness of the profession of coaching, that just getting fired, and you know, and we were talking about Joe Mazzullo. So you know, okay, he wins, and they go love him. Then you go to the next round, and then it starts all over again. And it's and nowadays it's game by game. Right. That's what this the whole media thing, the whole twenty four seven media cycles. It, it drives me crazy. It's just like, can we just wait at least? Can we go by series at least? Like you said, can we go by what? Can we wait till the end of the series to see what happens? No, they no. they'll crucify you. Lose game five, you're terrible. You win game six, you're, you're right. the greatest. You lose game seven, you're terrible. Like what? What are we doing? Right, and then. You lose a series. I mean, they talk about was Mazzullo firing him. Yeah. If this guy loses a series, which you know, it kind of looks kind of bleak. I am. I well, I shouldn't say what I feel because I always jinx teams. Uh, but <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead and jinx them, Bill. I don't want to jinx them because it's too good a story for them. It's too good a story for if they win. Right. You know, because everybody's just like, I mean, they're killing him. Boston radio. I mean, they're like murdering this guy, like. Putting his name on the post on the post office, you know, one yeah. murdering so much that he he kind of you know they they basically you know he was forced to at least fake submit. You see, did you see his uh, his his uh, press conference when they went down game three? He's like he comes out right away this time. My it's my fault. It's all my fault. You know, I didn't have him ready. Right. They're like then then they're asking questions. Well, uh, what do you mean specifically? Uh, yeah, let's drill, let's drill down a little more. <laughs> how not? How not did you do? Was it was it the speech you gave? Right. Was it that? Was it that speech? You don't know how to give speeches, is that it? Right. Do you think yeah. that you need to? You know, just yeah. And, and again, the media is still this largely overwhelmingly white media. 
Yeah. You, you have a few brothers that intersperse, which is largely white male media. Right. It's always bad for black guys to be judged by white guys. Right. It's just never a good combination, <laughs> ever. And I know, whoa, what do you mean? Oh, there you go. You know, you know. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, you come on. You know. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Oh, that's, that's, that's amazing when you hear these conversations. And if you have a caller calling the show. And I was a racist. And the two white, oh, come on, Jesus. Hey. And then they'll go to all the black people they know. I, I know Stephen A. Or I know what, you know. Right. You know, and it, and it's, and it's, and it's even it's that, and it's even it's like the that's the culture of the media, re, even re, uh, regardless of race. You know, they just want to, you know, they if they if they decide, you know, and I, we're part of they. You know, I'm just, but if but if the media, if, no, if, I, if, I ain't a part of they. That's true. I'm not a part of that they. <laughs> but you know, it's like okay, I made this proclamation about you already. I I I don't think you're a good coach. Right. So whatever you do, that's my agenda. Becomes trying to prove myself right. Exactly. You know, like you know, we okay. You know, fine. He's he he did well. Uh, you know, and they beat Philly. Okay, they're just waiting for the opportunity to jump back on you. Well, you we know? do that. We do that even our story. Remember, there's a story you did during the Big East. Somebody. Yeah, shot shock and smart. I think. Yeah, did he get you? Cause I, and I've done that in a position too, you know. You write report, and that's what I try to tell people about. How I'm about the story. And right. If I'm writing about you and how great you are, when the story runs, I want you to do great. Now next right. week, right. it's be different, and I don't care. But for this day that this story comes out, I want you to do well because that's what the story is about: how great you are. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I should I should have wrote it a week earlier before he won the Big East tournament, <laughs> but I wrote it. I wrote it during that, and uh, they lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament. You know? What do you mean? Like the kind of guy who, who's that? <laughs> you know what you're talking about? I thought, I thought you said he was great. <laughs> you know, I'm, kind of, I'm writing about Doc Rivers. Although, I was like trying the whole theme was that I make it fire. <laughs> you know, right. it was not like, and, and explain it. Like, you know, like he said something like with, with Joe Mazzullo, he said, you know, he, he said he he's taking on the hardest job maybe ever. Right. You know, ever. That the only thing he could do to get people off his back is go further than they did last year. And they went to the NBA Finals last year. Right. All you can do is, <laughs> all win, you can do is win. win the championship. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. all you can do. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? And he said, well, if you win, it's fine. And if you don't, who cares? <laughs> right. and, the, and the Missoula thing is, 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 is worse to me. It's like, Again, you know, to to like the media badger, badgering and jumping on people. This guy is thirty four years old. Okay, so we know he has no experience. We knew that going in, right? So to jump on him like, oh, you're jump, you're mad at him because he doesn't have experience because he, he call, he's calling time. He's never been in this situation before. He's calling timeouts maybe when you know when he should or shouldn't, whatever. But you're jumping on him like. Like you're make like you're you're making some big revelation. Like right. he's thirty. This is what he's supposed to be doing. If you if you're mad that he's that he's in position, go get mad at Brad Stevens for hiring him. Well, they're probably mad at him too. You know, hey, Brad, you come down and coach. Right, it's your mess. You fix it. Right. So it would it would be great to have a great turnaround. Now in this situation, I don't know what would you consider a great turnaround here. They were they were about to get swept. They went to Miami and won. 
what constitutes saving face? I think winning this next home game, game five. I think if you get to a game six, you kind of have saved face a little bit. All right, you won, you went down three or you won two games. You get to game six, play a tough game six, lose. I think you've saved a little face. Uh, you know, I think people are at the point now where they respect the Heat. You have no choice but to respect the Heat and, and Jimmy Butler right now and Spolstra. Spolstra's another one, right? Uh, now everybody is like, they, they think it's cool to say Spolstra's the, one of the best coach in the NBA, right? Oh, no shit. Now, now that he's winning, you were, what were you saying in the regular season? Were you, I, didn't, I didn't hear all this Spolstra's the greatest coach. You know, you wait. You wait until this guy does does the impossible. Now he's now he's he's a great coach. Let me he's, ask been, you. he's been a great coach. Do you think that they could beat Denver in the Great White Hope? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean they could. They, you know, I'm not. You know, we've we've been uh, betting against the Heat every round so far, uh, and the way they're playing. First of all, they're playing out out of their minds, right? They're playing much better than they did in the regular season. They. They were one of the worst three-point shooting, shooting teams in the league in the regular season. Now they're one of the best in the in the in the playoffs. So they're playing great. Yeah, they they could, but you know that that great white hope is tough out there out there in Denver, man. I don't. I would I would I would pick Denver in seven. So that that there shows you. I think it's close. Um, but they could do it. But it, it'll be tough because Denver has you know Denver and Miami are playing the best basketball. There's no there's no they're playing great. Yeah, so you see why they're at this position. Um, and Denver's a scrappy team. They're well coached too. But they, they do have, you know, I think Jokic, I don't know what the Heat would do with him. You know, they're not even a big team. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's going to be a big problem. You know, because I think, you know, they talk about all these undrafted players. And when you play, they're waiting for some team to make them look like undrafted players. Yeah. I keep waiting for it to happen. I'm like, all right. I'm watching Jalen Brown get get uh, you know, abused by you know Max Struess and uh, whoever else, and I'm thinking to myself like, Jalen Brown, are you not better than him? Can right. can you just show it? Like, you, you you know, this guy looks better than you. Can you prove to us that that you're better than him? I mean, you know that you're supposed to be the guy. What happened? Yeah, I know. I know it's a million dollar question. That's that's what. Uh, that's why I got Joe Mazzullo's trying to figure out. Um, but clearly there's a puzzle. There's a puzzle that he's not been able to figure out. Maybe figured out last night, you know. But I think they would be a better matchup, at least for our business, for rating. Right. I mean, the Lakers in Denver be bad enough. I mean, Boston and Denver would be bad enough. Right. Yeah, De- yeah Boston never would be bad enough. You're right. Denver and Miami – I guess back to purest, pure, you know, purest basketball. Yeah, and yeah. people don't have shit else to do. <laughs> and, and and it's a shame, right? Because like I said, those are the the teams playing, the, you know, the best basketball by far. But nobody cares, you know. Nobody nobody wants, to, you know. I mean, I you know I'll watch, but I mean, the average fan is not gonna, you know, if it's not the Lakers or the Celtics or one of or one of those teams the in Warriors, it. Warriors, you know, tells the Warriors. Yeah, you stuff. Got, we see them on the. On the commercials, you know, you know. But don't you th- don't you think Jokic as as the great white hope wouldn't he, shouldn't he be able to garner some of that enthusiasm? A little bit, a little bit. But remember, he's he's a great white foreign hope. Right. Now, if it had been, I don't know what they do if he's American born white boy. He might be running for vice president or something. Right. If it, if he were Caitlin Clark. Right. If he was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> might be a little different. Might be. <laughs> That's right. Be Caitlin Clark. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't, don't forget her. Don't forget her, Bill. But yeah, man. Maybe maybe if Denver wins, they'll invite Caitlin to the White House too. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you come? Since you can, you know. <laughs> or they invite they invite the the Biden will invite both teams. Both teams played hard. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, uh, yeah. They made him. They made him come out and talk because he wouldn't talk, and he would just come out and say both teams played hard. And somebody, I, I used to have the T-shirt. They they came over with a T-shirt that said. Both teams play hard. <laughs> yeah, the the great Rashid Wallace, who now who now is he's a, he just slams uh, Doc Rivers. Did you see that? What he said about Doc Rivers? No, what did he, he say? He, he he was on a podcast and he said that uh, he basically said this Doc Rivers doesn't coach. He you know when he was in Boston, he, the players had to do it on their own, and he was like this this is why you know Doc 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 can't get it done. Basically, he slammed him. Wow. And Rashid, isn't Rashid a, a, a coach now? He, he was. I know he was. On, he was at Memphis under Penny Hardaway. I don't I know thought if he's he still was there. Like a high school coach. Maybe, maybe now, because I know he was. He was an assistant at Memphis for a while, but then he left. So I don't know what he's doing now. Yeah, he probably said, "Man, I can't handle this." He can't handle this. He was like, "He's like, I can't coach either." Yeah. <laughs> Let's. I remember I talked to Rod Strickland once, and you know, Rod. I, I don't know if Rod is still coaching, but he was on. Yeah, he's at he's at LIU. Oh, he's oh really? Head coach at LIU. Yep. Rod Strickland. Yep. This he his last year was his first year. Oh wow. Okay. Great. But I remember talking to him about coaching, and I was reminding him of all the stuff he did as a player. And I remember he said, "You know, I may want to call some of my coaches and apologize." Because <laughs> that was I, I didn't realize he man we ought to get Rod on the because uh, you know Rod had a great a long NBA career. Oh yeah. Long NBA career. Uh, and uh, you know, he acknowledged, you know, he was probably a piece of work as a player. A lot, a lot of these guys, then they become head coaches. That's like people becoming parents. See, right, right, exactly so. like that. You know, as, as for as for this three-one deficit, no, Boston closed it to three-one. Now, the only other team in major sports that's done this, you know, in terms of basketball and uh, baseball, is uh, the Boston Red Sox. So maybe it's a Boston thing. Yeah, I know. They came back, right? They came back. Yeah, Boston came back 3-0 against the Yankees, and that was the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe it's a Boston thing. Somebody's pointing out, yeah, well, in baseball, you find you have a different pitcher. You have a, you have a different pitcher every every game. I guess. I but, guess. It took, but to me, the way they looked, this was that was a big win. Just a, No matter what, that was a big win last night for Boston because game three was such an embarrassment. Right. Um, you know, I, I, their reputations, it looked like they they lost everything. Their reputations, uh, they looked like a, a beaten dog who's who still who still wanted to love the the master that's beating it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it was like it was like I when I saw Jalen Brown, they're down 30, and he like mistakenly knocks Bam out of bio over and then he rushes to help him up. I'm like, are you serious right now? This can't be happening right now. Oh man. Yeah, that's tough. Like, what do they call it? the uh, stock, Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> I think they they all look scared of Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yeah, you know. No one's scared of him during the regular season. Yeah, I don't understand. So maybe the only thing, you know, maybe they win a game and, and all of a sudden they're confident again. You know, so we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. Well, that's good, man. Well, this is a good wrap-up. Uh, the great Jim Brown. Yes. The NBA playoffs. Uh, 
Big game five tomorrow. Uh, game, yeah, game five tomorrow in Boston. And then nothing, man. We have to wait till June 1st, you know. Yeah. What, what did you think about uh, LeBron hinting at retirement? You think yeah. that was real or not? Um, I think I think part of it is real. Part of it, I think, is just the dramatic side of LeBron. But I, I could imagine a- after you um, get swept like that, I'm sure, and, you, and how hard it is, and his tongue was hanging out of his mouth. Right. You know, at that point, you got to really think, do I really want to do this? I'm sure he does. Right. I'm sure he does want to do it again. Uh, but right in the aftermath, I think it's kind of hard. Well, he has his son coming down the pike. Uh, his son go- is going to USC next year uh, to play. All plans are for him to be a one and done. And, uh, you know, maybe next year he, he can uh, find a way to play with uh, Bronny. Is he that? Have you seen him? Is he that good? Bronny, that good. I mean, I'd imagine that it's kind of like LeBron's got so much juice, right? That it ain't like his son's gonna be the average rookie, right? And uh, yeah, in terms of is he that good? He he's not one of those guys who's top five in his high school class, and and you're just a, you're like, oh yeah, he's a one and done. So no, he's not that good. He's John Morant. Yeah. No, he's not. I mean, doesn't not yet. Doesn't look like John Morant yet. Uh, but John Morant didn't look like John Morant till his sophomore year. Right. In college, so you know, I mean, I, I, he looks like one of those guys. Like, it maybe if he played two or three years in college, then he'd be a, a, a legitimate pro. Right. I think, I think one and done looks a little rushed. Yeah, you know, and somebody said, is he? Is it? What's his dream? Not LeBron's dream, right? What's and LeBron actually brought that up because I think when he said when he was you know pondering retirement to the press, someone asked him, "Well, what about? Don't you want to play with your son?" in a couple of years, and LeBron said, well, that's my dream. It doesn't mean it's his. So right. he did say that. Right. Which is good if he believes it. No, I don't think he believes it. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like, why don't we share a dream, son? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. that, that's, that's where we are. Like you said, June 1st finals, it'll be Denver versus somebody, most likely the Heat. Right. We'll, see if, we'll see if the Celtics can uh, at, least, at least make it interesting with one more win. Yeah, that will make it kind of interesting. So we'll see. But regardless, we'll be there. Yeah. You know, we'll be there. And uh, up until then, we'll have to think of maybe we should talk about NFL, NFL training camps or something, although they don't even open. Hey, we we won't be alone. You know, people talk NFL all year round. You know that. You never go wrong with NFL. Never go wrong with the NFL. You you don't want to talk baseball, Bill? (laughs) No. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to some attendance figures. Oh wow! Terrible, like uh, the Tampa Bay, like, best best team in baseball. Yeah, they they, they lose like eight thousand people, and Oakland mm. worse than that. And they're trying to go to Las Vegas. Las Vegas, we don't want them. Seriously, don't bring those losers here. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a and baseball is such a mess. You know, you got you got franchises that don't spend any money. Yeah. And then you got, you know, the Yankees and the Mets and the Red Sox and the Dodgers spending all the money. Yeah, how are your Mets doing? They started to uh they bounced back. They're 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 respectable again. They're they're in uh shouting range. They'll be all right. You know? Yeah. Started off slow. And as did the Yankees, and the Yankees are on a tear now. So Yeah. Well, we'll see. We don't even deal with it until the all star the all star game. That's true. If we deal with it then. Right. 
All right, man. Well, you can tell we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Next week we'll be talking about <laughs> baseball, the hockey, the hockey playoffs. Right. I, I lost track of what happened in hockey. I was trying to, I was trying to keep up when the Rangers and the Devils were involved, and now I don't know who's Las who's Vegas, left. the Las Vegas, yeah, La, Las Vegas, Dallas, or something like that, or in the Carolina and Florida in the East. Yeah, you players, the team with the most black players. Yeah. <laughs> I think they all, a lot of them have just one, so I don't know who to who to root for. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's our hockey wrap up for now. So. There you go. All right, man. Well, listen. Um, you know, enjoy game five. Enjoy the rest of the summer. You know, we love you. Yes. Uh, next next week, we're going to, um, if you are part of our loyal subscribers, what are we going to do, Jamal, next week? We'll probably go live on YouTube uh, starting next week. So we'll put we'll put some reminders up. Uh, keep listening on the audio side. You know, keep listening wherever you listen to your podcast. We're there. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we're brought to you by Bet Online. And there you have it. Bet online. <laughs> who you got? Who you got tomorrow, Bill? Uh, Boston, Boston are seven and a half point favorites. Who you got? Vote for the best story, man. <laughs> you mean, you're, not fall, you're not falling for that one. I figured what what the best story is. That's who I'm for always. I hear you. So, so you you got you got Boston then? Yeah. Well, okay. Just yeah. to win. Yeah. All right, man. I, I will commit no further. All right, everybody, listen, uh, take that Benadryl and Zyrtex. Uh, keep praying, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. God bless. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube